0: So pre-order The Sicilian Inheritance today. I promise you it's going to be your new favorite book. So Gene and Rick met the way that I imagine everyone meeting in the year 1977.
1: We met in a singing group uh, that sings Renaissance religious music on street corners and other public places in New York City.
2: It's called the Renaissance Street Singers, and it's a fairly exotic group, which is the only place these days that a liberal could ever meet a conservative.
0: (laughs) You heard that right. A liberal and a conservative. They met, they fell in love, and they got married... And on the eve of this wildly contentious election day, we wanted to bring you a short episode that proves love can cross the aisle. I'm Joe Piazza. This is Committed. So I know we keep hearing that right now we are in the most heated political times in American history. Well, the 70s weren't exactly a barefoot walk in the park.
1: You know, it began with uh, Watergate and uh, Nixon leaving, and, and then there was uh, stagflation, and uh, it looked like the Soviet Union was on the march. Uh, they were sending Cuban armies to Africa. And
2: terrible clothes, that was one of the... And, hair, and haircuts on men. At the time, my husband had a mustache and sideburns, as everybody did.
0: Rick was handsome. Real tall, six foot four. He had these intense blue eyes. He and Jean met singing Renaissance music. She didn't think he could possibly be a conservative, but he was. And not just any conservative guy. Rick wrote for William F. Buckley and the National Review. Now, Jean was this very liberal psychoanalyst. The only Republican she knew was her father.
2: Yeah, he was a lot more liberal than you. <laughs> but uh, I grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio, which was one of the enclaves of the John Birch Society. I didn't really make a distinction between sane conservatives and, and lunatics.
0: When they got married, Jean's mentor was the one who walked her down the aisle. According to Rick, and this is Rick's characterization of him, the guy was a communist.
1: He'd been a very good boss to Genie, but he was a communist.
0: Trail. Well, well, I don't
1: think he was well, a CPUSA uh, member. No, maybe not a member. He didn't need to pay dues. He, he did it all anyway. He'd lost his job at uh, Hunter College years earlier when, you know, in the 50s, they were um, cleaning reds out of the educational system.
0: William F. Buckley also attended the wedding, as did Rick's other very conservative friends.
1: One of the readings was given by my publisher, the publisher of National Review, William Rusher, and he'd worked for the Senate Internal Security Subcommittee, which was intent on finding reds and, and cleaning, like Ted. cleaning them <laughs> out. Yeah,
2: They were decent to each other at, you know, at our wedding, and I think that set the tone for uh, trying to learn to, to live with the other side. We had to learn it,
0: though. Really,
2: we had to learn it.
0: When Gene and Rick got married, about 20% of couples in America were in a mixed political party marriage. Today, that number has dropped below 9%. Isn't
1: that amazing? I mean, it really went down. And probably sinking fast.
2: Oh, yeah. So uh, we're kind of a vanishing breed. In
0: 1980, Ronald Reagan was elected president. Rick was beside himself with unbridled joy.
1: I had to learn to contain my excitement. Yes. You know, Reagan was a 70-year-old man, but he was representing a new force in politics, a much more conservative Republican a party, ominous,
2: a new ominous type of uh, conservative, a new, to a me. new
1: great force. But, yes. but yeah, it was new. It was more political, more ideological. The issue that really has
2: tormented me, I don't know if it's tormented Rick so much, is the pro-choice issue. I think that was the only actual time I lost enough control to have a fight with Rick about it. It was when, I don't know if you remember, it was, uh, when was the Webster decision? 89? That was the first real chink in the armor where the right started to dismantle abortion rights. And when I saw that in the New York Times, I was really devastated. What I said was, oh, my God, this is the end. I said, I, I have to join a demonstration. Now, I'm not a demonstrator,
1: so this was really a serious thing. And Rick said, If you march, I
0: march. Rick meant that they would be marching for different sides.
2: So, if you can imagine, this was pretty terrible. We're saying it civilly now. We weren't uncivil, but we were both enormously upset. And to the point that we really didn't talk about The hackles were up. Yeah. I was really disturbed by it. And... At the end of that day, we really had a conversation to say, we can't do this. You know, we were so miserable and we felt so lonely because Rick and I have almost everything else in common.
1: So this topic has to be off limits.
2: Yeah. And I have to say, I think we've done pretty well.
1: I know you give money to, you know, pro-choice groups and you know I give money to pro-life groups and we don't like flash the envelopes in each other's faces. And then for other issues, all the many, many other issues, we found that one way to talk about them is talking about them as horse races.
0: To make their marriage work, Jean and Rick have come up with even more rules. All marriages have rules. Some of them just go unspoken. Rick and Jean have to speak theirs out loud. There was this one time when one of Jean's bosses actually called Rick a crypto-Nazi to her face. And I
2: lost it. I was really outraged. And I didn't control it. I mean, I didn't scream at the man, but I said, that's a serious accusation. It's a defamation. And it's not true. And I don't want you to say anything like that about my husband. I feel very strongly that this is something that everyone ought to do in a mixed relationship, whether it's with a friend or a colleague or certainly a spouse, is never allow another person in public who happens to agree with you
1: to... um, To diss them. Yes. You have to stick up for them.
2: Yes. I think it should be part of the marriage vows. (laughs) Defend, Defend your mate in public. I think music is an excellent corrective for political differences. If you happen to have similar taste in music... It can go a long way if you love music, and Rick and I really do. And uh, we still sing with that Renaissance group, by the way, at at Christmas.
0: Defend your mate in public. Don't let anyone diss him. Pick your battles. And here's one last word of advice for a cross-party relationship.
1: People, your bedroom is not a voting booth.
0: But you know what is a voting booth? A voting booth. And I want you to get in one in the next 24 hours. Vote early, but not often. I don't care who you're voting for, as long as you vote.
1: Jeannie, the first gift you ever gave me, do you remember what it was? Gosh, I don't. You got me a volume of the poems of W.B. Yeats. And you particularly wanted to give it to me because of one of his very last poems. Oh, yes. Which is called Politics. Can you quote it? Yes, I can.
2: Makes me cry to think
1: about it. He he wrote this poem uh, on the eve of World War II. And he wrote, How can I, that girl standing there, my attention fix on Russian or on Roman or on Spanish politics? Yet here's a traveled man that has read and thought, and here's a politician that knows what he's about, and maybe what they say is true of war and war's alarms. But oh, that That I were young again." again and held her
3: in my arms. For information on where and how to vote, go to gttp.votinginfoproject.org. That's gttp.votinginfoproject.org. This episode was hosted and reported by Joe Piazza. With special thanks to Dr. Genie Safer and Richard Brokheiser. To hear more from Dr. Jeannie Safer, check out her podcast, I Love You, But I Hate Your Politics. It was produced and edited by Ramsey Yunt and Tyler Klang with mixing by Tristan McNeil. The executive producers are Joe Piazza, Mangesh Ticketer, Will Pearson, and Christopher Hasiotis. Theme song and music by Tristan McNeil with a performance by the Renaissance Street Singers. For comments, suggestions, or to be part of the show, give us a call at 404-996-1173. That's 404-996-1173. You can also grab a copy of Joe's new book, Charlotte Walsh Likes to Win, on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Committed with Joe Piazza has been a production of the House Stuff Works family, produced in our studios located in Atlanta, Georgia.
0: Hey guys, Joe here. This episode of Committed is brought to you by my brand new novel, The Sicilian Inheritance. This is honestly the best book that I've ever written. I love it so much. The Sicilian Inheritance is a twisty-turny family murder mystery set on the beautiful and sometimes dangerous island of Sicily. And it's incredibly personal. It's loosely based on the real-life murder of my great-great-grandmother, Lorenza Marsala. The Sicilian Inheritance comes out on April 2nd, but it is available for pre-order right now wherever you get your books.